I want to share with you an experience I just had just now on the, the chancel and hold, hold the music and the words that you just heard about um, his father sort of looking at a child, a, a newborn child, and, and hold the call to worship where I was almost four years ago as our son was, was ready to be born. Hold those. The experience I had just a minute ago on the chancel when we were in the cycle of life was imagining my own name being called out as we mourn the death and celebrate the life of Justin. You can put your own name in there. You can put your name of a, a loved one or a family member or a dear friend, but I think that is an awakening. That was a moment where I just realized with real clarity, and I, I forget, we forget, that, that we have a little window of time. That, that before long, those we love and even our names will be mentioned in this space with a different gathering of people, a different set of ears and hearts and lives and stories. Many people won't know us or remember us, but that too is true. The other side of that, where that pushed me back to, was the awakening of coming into this life, of being born. And that's where I want to pick up this morning. And I my wife and I, four years ago, we were in this, this place between, the, between worlds. Something was about to die. Our old identities, who we were before we became parents, and something new was about to be born, but it wasn't there yet. We could feel this thing about to break into our lives. We could feel the kicking. We could feel the punching. We knew there was something there, but our lives hadn't really changed. Yeah, we bought some stuff. We set up the room. You know, we'd prepared the house like you do, but this, but this thing hadn't, this child hadn't, busted into our lives and completely upended everything. And so we were in this blurry couple of days. Labor started and stopped and started and stopped. And we walked and talked and wondered and waited just in this like timeless kind of place between worlds. And then, boom, our son came into the world. We didn't know at that point if he was a boy or a girl, but we found out. I caught him with my hands. I held him for a moment. He was slimy and warm and a little bit blue, and it was unbelievable. It was, it was unbelievable. And all of a sudden, I, I awakened to the sense of what it meant to be a father. My, my wife, I'm sure, was, had probably awakened long before that in many ways, right, <laughs> to like what it meant to be a mother. And, and, we, and there was just this... Like, I, I, some of, we've, some of you have, have been there and we've had those moments where something so amazing just breaks into our lives. There aren't even words for it. And I held him there for just a second and could not believe it. And then he was taken away and cleaned up and checked and then given back to my wife. And we both had awoken into this new place, this new place of being parents. And I will tell you, and parents, I've talked to many of you, I mean, this is a complete breaking into your life of something that rearranges everything, that upends everything that you knew. You're kind of walking along in one way, and then boom, like everything's disrupted. And it forces you into a new way of being. It called out of us a deeper kind of love that we... Than, than, we, than we even knew we had, than we even knew was possible. And despite some of the sleepless nights we had in, that first, in those first couple of years, our son filled us with hope and possibility, and it was a reminder that something new can come in and just 
change your outlook on life, that everything is possible. You see the world with new eyes when you have a child. And there was times of grief and despair. I will be honest with you as well, as we sort of looked at the remnants of our old life kind of floating down the stream, they're just disappearing. I mean, we had a great life, we still have a great life, but there was some grief to say, wow, we're letting go of some things that have been a part of our life. But mostly, mostly amidst the sleeplessness and the tiredness and all of those things, there was wonder when we could open our hearts to that. There was wonder and and challenge, but there was wonder as we awoke and continue to awake to what that experience calls out of us. And it doesn't have to be the birth of a child. It could be a marriage. It could be a relationship ending or beginning. It could be a decision that you've made to follow a dream. It could be a decision to just not do anything, to not hurry up and do something, to do nothing and just sit there and wait because you sense there is this presence, this thing that's about to break into your life that will awaken you to new insight and that it will be impossible to go back to where you were. It can happen anytime with anything, but I want to stick with children for just a second here because that's where we're at in this, this season of light and hope, this Christmas season. And I think it's true. You can nod or not nod on this. Even if you're not parents, there's something about children that, that touches us, that awakens us, that calls something out of us. Isn't, isn't that true on some level? Even if you don't even really like kids, I can kind of see them from afar, and you're, and you're just like, wow, a new life, a, a new possibility, new hope, like th- the ways of this generation could yet be redeemed by someone else who can come and walk a different path or learn from our mistakes. I think that's true. I think most of us have that experience. And most of us, something really awakens in us when we imagine every child as our child, right? So it's not just like our blood, flesh and blood child, but every child. I feel that when we dedicate children here on Sunday mornings and you as a congregation and we say we are with this family and this child. There are children. There's something that awakens in us when we catch that preciousness of a life and every child becomes our child. We see the world anew. That is a big movement through a passage into a new way of seeing, into an awakened perspective. It is catching a glimpse, I would say, of God's dreams or love's dreams for creation. And then, and then the invitation, as we see each child as our own, is to live into those dreams fully. Let me tell you a story that helped me catch that glimpse because we forget this glimpse all the time. I forget this glimpse all the time. I'm in my world with my family, with my problems, with my issues. And I kind of include, I include all of you because you're, the, you're the, the community I'm with most often. But it, it narrows quickly after that at times. So let me share this story with you. Last spring, I think it was March, it was this really unseasonably warm um, evening. And I was out, some of you have heard this story before. I was out on the front steps of, my, of our house with Tucker in the evening, and I was holding him, we were sitting on the steps, I was holding him between my legs, sort of wrapped around him, my legs wrapped around him, my arms around him, and there was a little bit of an evening breeze, so keeping him warm, and we had this plastic little container of bubbles that we, he had gotten from somewhere, and we were taking turns, blowing these bubbles together in the evening on their steps in the front of our house, and they were floating out in front of us, and the breeze was kind of catching them, and they were blowing over his head and over the roof, and he was laughing. He was erupting in laughter and joy and just this sort of 
um, miraculous moment, it felt like, of this incredible, just uncontained love I felt for him, my arms around him, and the joy at this shared experience. And I was sharing this experience with my spiritual director not too long ago, um, after, right after it happened, actually. And he, he, list, he was listening to me talk, and I was saying, um, this is what's energizing me, this experience I had with my son, like this love I feel for him. It's unbounded, and it's, it's, just, there's, it's unbelievable. And other parts of my life just feel like, like dead places. The, their energy sucks. There's nothing going on. I feel like I'm a failure in these other places. Like this is what's, this is what's feeding me. This, this moment with my son. And my spiritual director, director listened to that, and I, I, as I talked about that love I felt, and then he asked me, he said, I wonder if you can imagine yourself held by a love just like that. I wonder if you can imagine yourself held by a love just like that, he said. And it wasn't as loud as the jazz band when you came in this morning, but it was that same... Uh, boom, moment of, of something in me turning, of an understanding settling into place, this realization in my bones that I was held by love. My son was held by love, that each and every one of us is held by a love that will not let us go. And I remembered in that moment the same sort of awakening this in my bones, knowing that scientifically this is true, like this insight is true, that, that we come from the same source. We are from the same stardust. We come from creation and are held in and by creation. We belong here on the earth. We have a place in the order of things, each and every one of us. And I knew also in that moment when he said, can you imagine yourself held by that love? I knew that we are all invited to be the arms of love for one another. To be the arms of love that protect and hold our children. That protect and hold adults. We are invited to be those arms to work for justice in the world. That was one of those moments, I mean, that just upended me, that reminded me of something I'd forgotten, that I needed to hear again. It was a glimpse, I would say, into love's vision, into God's vision of the world and how we might be in that world. And you've had those moments, I trust, right, where something happens in your life, something breaks into your life, and you see things, yourself, the world, differently. You catch sight of a deeper truth, and you say, I'm going to give my heart to that. I'm going to give my life to that. I am showing up 110% to this thing because it's so real and important. And we do that, right, for a little while. We have that glimpse. And we show up for a little while, maybe for a long time, but more often than not, at least in my life, then regular life kind of comes back in. And life happens. The calendar book fills up. The to-do list gets longer. My heart just hardens a little bit and closes off. The day-to-day -day demands take over. I forget the dream. I forget the vision. Or I might begin to say, or we can begin to say in those moments, you know, that vision I had, that dream I had, that's just sort of pie-in-the-sky stuff. There's, there's no love like that, really. It's kind of a dog-eat-dog -dog world, and I just need to protect myself and mine, and that's the deal. Or it's just not possible to create the beloved community. It's not possible to really create a more fair world. And that's a storyline. That's, that's real for me. I don't know if it's real for you. You catch a glimpse of something, and then life just comes back in. That's part of the journey of staying awake in this life. When that happens, when that happens, we start to unhook ourselves 
from the web of life, from the great commandment to just love the source of life. God, call it what you will, to love our neighbors with all of our heart. We begin to unhook from our brothers and sisters around the planet that are part of the human family, thinking, well, they're not really part of the family. Like, what, they're over there. I'm here. We begin to unhook. There's lots of ways this can happen, and I want to share with you just one that's on my mind, one place where I started to unhook and then, and then didn't, kind of came back into the story. I want to share that with you. So this comes, this story comes uh, out of the context of where we are right now in this Christmas solstice Hanukkah season of lights and love and hope breaking back into the world, which has turned into this ginormous consumption fest where we, uh, we buy a lot of stuff. That's sort of what, what, it, what it's about in many ways. And so I'm thinking about... Um, the Black Friday sales especially, which have now really, if we're honest with ourselves, they've turned into Black Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday and then Cyber Monday sales, um, which is, I, I shop sometimes on Black Friday. There's good deals to get. It's, it's part of what, what we do, but there's, a, but there's more than that. And what spoke to me this time is behind the sales and the discounts and all this stuff was this story about this fire that broke out in this... Um, place in Bangladesh, the Tazreen Garment Factory in, outside of Bangladesh. There were 100 plus people that died in this fire, trapped inside this garment factory. I think some of the doors were locked. There were no fire extinguishers. It was horrible conditions. So I saw this kind of in the backdrop, like after the, the Black Friday sales and all this kind of stuff, like I saw this headline and almost unhooked from that story. I thought, man, that's, that's real, that's, I'm sad, but there's just a lot in my life I don't have bandwidth for this. I almost unhooked from the story, from the horror, from the charred bodies half a world away. I almost unhooked from the reality that Disney and Walmart and Sears and others source clothing from this factory. I almost unhooked from the fact that amidst the melted sewing machines and burned clothes and bodies, there were children's shorts with Walmart's faded glory label. And there were sweatshirts from Walt Disney. This is not unusual in these factories in Bangladesh. They make clothing for all of the big companies. And it's not unusual that there are no real safety standards or worker protections or labor unions. I nearly unhooked as well as I saw this headline. I nearly unhooked from the reality that I own Disney stock. It's in one of my retirement funds. I probably own Walmart. I probably own Sears. I don't know. And I nearly unhooked from the fact that the Black Friday sales, the Christmas deals, the spring sales, and the fall sales, all those sales, all of this, this gigantic global machine of cheap labor built on unsafe and unsustainable practices, I almost unhooked from the fact that all of that was the backdrop to this fire. I almost unhooked from that. But then something spoke to me, spoke in my heart and said, no, look at this. Look at this. Imagine. Imagine the men and the women who worked in this factory. Imagine their families. Imagine their children, Justin, who are probably as old as your son, maybe older, maybe younger. And I asked myself, is this the life that God wants for creation? for people. This life with profit 
at any cost. This life with horrible working conditions. So this fire, this story that I didn't unhook from, I almost unhooked from, it awoke something into me. It punched into my life and it stirred up grief and outrage and horror. It stirred up a sense that it can and must be different than this. It awoke in me a sense that the world, another world, is possible. That these global companies can protect their workers and the people that work for them as fiercely as they protect their labels and their brands. This faith and this church, you all, when I dedicate children, when I come in here and hear your stories and connect with you, that helps me stay awake. This practice of being here, this practice of sitting in cycle of life, of imagining lives other than my own, that helps me stay awake to God's dream for the world. So this is what I'm sitting with. This is what I'm sitting with, the story about our son and his birth, this fire in this factory in Bangladesh. I'm sitting with this in this holiday season, this time of Advent, this time of waiting, this time as we move toward solstice and Christmas, toward the time when hope and light come back into the world and upend the old ways. And here's where this all comes together for me. I can't stop thinking about two Sundays ago. Some of you were here two Sundays ago when Reverend Jen Crow cast a very provocative vision from this pulpit, an awakening that we might go through as a faith community. She challenged us to pay attention this holiday season to all of our spending, to the gifts and the cards and the food and the travel and the trees and the tinsel and all of the stuff, all of that stuff around the holidays, to keep track, to throw those receipts in a folder or make a spreadsheet, doesn't matter how you do it, to keep track so by the end of the holidays, you have a number, you have a sense, and maybe some of you do already, you know, okay, I spent $400 or $100 or $1,000, whatever it is, on Christmas and then on the holidays. And then next year, she challenged us to cut that holiday spending in half. You remember this? Some of you were here. To cut that spending in half and then give half of it to the church for a project for the greater good. For a project for the greater good. This idea comes out of the church that Jen used to serve as that congregation had a dream and a desire to help make the world a better place, to make the holidays mean something a little bit different and deeper than they did. And as Jen shared two weeks ago, when her previous church started this, the initial resistance gave way to inventiveness as individuals and families cut back and got creative and created new traditions and gave each other gifts of time and attention. The environment benefited, she said. Probably human beings benefited on some level. Together, Jen told us, that church raised $80,000. $40,000 went to an organization to support people who had experienced violence and abuse, and $40,000 went to a partnership for a, a rural community that they were building a relationship with in Honduras. So it makes me wonder. It makes me wonder what might awaken in us this year as we look toward next year. What might we do next year? How might we spend less next holiday season, and when we do spend, how might we spend in a way that supports fair trade and safe conditions and living wages and our brothers and sisters around the planet? And if you're up for it, you could start a little bit of that, thinking about and spending today. We have a global gift fair downstairs. It's a remarkable thing. Take a look. Just take a look. But I do wonder, what 
projects? What partnerships might we launch next year? Who could we support? What would that look like? How would love's hopes and dreams awaken in us as something new came into our lives? Because once we catch that glimpse, once we have that sense of a different world being possible, a different dream being possible, once we're born into that new understanding, it is hard to go back. And when you're in a faith community and you remember week after week, it's even harder to go back. And once we begin to imagine every child, hear this, church, wake up if you're not with me, wake up. Once we imagine every child, doesn't matter if it's a Palestinian child or an Israeli child or an American child or a Bangladeshi child or a Nicaraguan child or a Chinese child, once we imagine every single child as our own children, our own child, how can we go back? From that. And once we begin to see every adult as the child they once were, how can we go back from that? Once we understand that we are called to be the arms of love in this world, how can we go back from that? And so then we find ourselves aligned with love's dreams for the world. And then love's dreams can break into our lives and be real, be made real in this world through our hands and our hearts and our commitment. I wonder how we might awaken together.